Hi. Thank you. Hi. Welcome. My name is Marissa Klein K. Both lives here. And I want to take a special moment for indulging us and a thank you, Ming, for having us today and making time out of your calendar to have us. I'm very excited because we were here once before as a guest of a friend, Carrie. Shout out to Carrie and Brand Groupies. And I had said that I always wanted to do something like this. And this is now happening thanks to a shared universe. And Probably the universe in general. So my name is Marissa. I'm sitting here with my sister and partner in crime, Jamie Stozer, Maiden Klein. It's a lot easier. Yep. Um, and we also have one of our OGs who we work with on a day-to-day, Mr. Howard Chesloff. Um, we call him Howie. And we're just going to start talking about things that we feel are important and relevant and um, kind of what we do every single day, but a little bit more intimate. Um, and I think Jamie had suggested that in order to kick this off, we should talk about who we are, what we do, and why. Sure. So my name is Marissa, and I have been putting people to work in what I would call their dream jobs for the last 14 years. Somewhat by accident, but certainly not by accident, because I started my career wanting to do only one thing, and that was to work in beauty. And when um, my efforts were hit with lots of obstacles and um, walls, I had to come up with a new uh, form of, of career that would allow me to pay the rent in Manhattan that I had already secured. And my father owned the staffing business that really didn't have a creative division and never really cared or never really indulged in the fashion and beauty world. So although he had been putting people to work for 30 plus years prior, he couldn't help me find a job. So I needed to find the job on my own. Um, and I ended up not in beauty, but in fashion, which at the time I thought was leather pants instead of lip gloss. And I let it go because I needed to pay my rent. And then after a tumultuous, exciting, dynamic, tremendous, disappointing passionate ride um, where I had probably six to eight bosses, three different jobs in six to seven years where I was merged, acquired, fired, laid off. My resume looked like vomit. And I couldn't get another <laughs> job because the staffing firms that focused on fashion um, didn't know what to do with me because, like I said, my resume looked like vomit. We didn't have emojis at the time, but it looked like the emoji. <laughs> and um, I walked into a staffing firm that focused on fashion and a young girl offered to send me out on an interview that was for a $40,000 job and I was making about $35,000 more than that and I said to her in all due respect I'd be misrepresenting your agency if I went out on this interview because I was raised in the agency business and for better or for worse I knew what was going on behind the scenes and she said what do you care you're not working quote and I would love to know who she was and where whatever happened to her because it was because of her that I am where I am today I literally walked out of her office and went down in the elevator and cried on the street and said this is the last time the fashion world is going to make me cry and truthfully I definitely have cried since but not directly because <laughs> of the fashion world and I called my dad and I asked him for lunch and everyone's heard this story a thousand times not um, everyone that's listening but not everyone that's listening and I asked my dad for lunch, 
And he came, and I told him that I wanted to open a fashion staffing division. At the time, I had a side business that I was very passionate about. And if there had been social media at the time, along with emojis, my life might be very different than it is. But I'm an old hag, so there was no social (laughs) media at the time. And he was afraid that if I were to take on a staffing job, I would lose focus on my side business. Um, Hashtag Rissy Lynn. But I, I convinced him that I was going to be able to do it because I had a lot of relationships and I could do it. And he said no, and I said yes, and he said no, and I said yes, and he said no, and I said yes. And unlike my sister, who is much more assertive with him, it was really probably the only time in life where I actually pushed and got that desk. And 14 years later, 14 years total later, I'm still doing it. And it's probably the only thing that we truly... um, came to a copacetic agreement that we were both right because I did uh, walk away from the other business, but I didn't walk away from the other business with regret. And I have been doing this ever since, putting people to work in fashion with a focus on media since I convinced Jamie to join the family story um, for 14 years in total. And I have never looked at anyone and said, what do you care? You're not working. Because the whole point is I do care. Probably too much. Um, Do you want to tell us what you do? What is it that you do? So (laughs) I focus on helping people um, that want to work in any form of corporate fashion. So anywhere from, I don't do, we don't do, unfortunately, we don't do the sexy stuff. So we're not finding the jobs to work with um, the Devil Wears Prada because that stuff is done word of mouth. But we do the stuff that is behind the scenes, the website, corporate, marketing, office assistant, design, tech design, which is how you make the garments fit, production, how the garments are made, um, product development, how the the designers help to get production made, those liaison between merchandising, buying, operations, e-commerce, social media, you name it, public relations, accounting, logistics. And not just fashion. And not just fashion, but the focus was fashion because that's what I knew. And um, the creative division of choice kind of started that way. And then, of course, anything at choice, which had been in business at that time for 30-plus years, anything that was not in the box of what the other disciplines of choice did ended up in my office. So we have an office support division that's extremely established. We had a technology division, a finance division. Uh, we had a um, freelance temporary division. We had, at that time... Travel. Travel. Travel was huge. Um, But they didn't have anything that was outside of those disciplines. So really, anything that was outside those disciplines, I just took a stab at. And I learned from the ground up from some of our key players there, um, Dee Zanardi, who is a a mogul in what we do, and Stuart Ion, who taught me everything he knew, um, dragged me to every appointment. And I figured it out. And then slowly I was a one-woman machine doing both sides of the desk, which was finding the jobs and then filling the jobs. And eventually I needed help because I was pregnant. And you can't do all of it and then also do that, which I've tried to do a lot of that with this and this with that, but you need help to do it. And somewhere along the lines, I started to grow the team in order to be able to focus on my personal life and also my professional life. And somewhere between year one and year five, I had staff. 
um, and that staff has brought me to my second phase of the the choice fashion and media, which which I really truly became media because I convinced Jamie to join us when I was going on my second maternity leave, and that's probably a good segue. Um, we do a ton of media search too. Uh, right now, we're working on jobs that range anywhere. If anyone out there has a relationship or relationships, active relationships with people in the spirits and alcohol world, we'd like to hear from you. Um, we work with PR firms. We work with Jamie's alma mater, professional alma mater, Turner CNN. Um, we do all sorts of things, likable media, which is social media. Um, so we have a lot of really great media partners now that diversify our palette. And then, of course, we do a lot of things that are more traditional uh, corporate environments, like we have uh, several organizations that we work with that are actually in law um, because of our own personal networking, and they prefer maybe in their marketing team or their HR team to have someone that would be cultivated from our team rather than a traditional law or corporate environment because people that come into the creative division or the fashion and media division tend to be that a little bit more creative. And although we tend to love to send a polished person out for an interview, they tend to come with a little extra sparkle because they like fashion or they like the creative world and they don't want to be in something dry. So, you know, one of our clients is a law firm, but they like to hire people that are not traditionally law. So they come to us. Mm -hmm. um, and I thank Jamie for that because she added that color to what we do um, six years ago now. Five, almost oh, six. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. See, I don't. I, I can't. I've been on the hamster wheel for a while. I don't know how to do math <laughs> anymore. Um, anyway, but without further ado, Jamie. Okay. Thanks. Great rundown. Um, yeah. So I've been with Choice about seven and a half years now. I, I joined when my I was pregnant with my son, and uh, my background was fairly similar to Marissa. I had a tumultuous start. I went to University of Michigan. Go blue. And, yep, I like that. Um, and when I graduated, like most, you know, new grads, which is actually a huge focus of mine now, very big passion of mine is is helping new grads, undergrads um, with resumes, resume writing, what to do, how to apply, how to follow up, how to network. Um, because a lot of us, myself included, um, didn't really know how to do. Clueless. Yeah. So... When I first graduated, obviously my my dad was a you know in the staffing business, HR business, so I would ask advice, and I think I got a lot of my fundamental skills of how to do this um, from him. Um, but I was adamant that I wanted to work in music PR. Um, so Marissa had this dream of beauty. I had this dream of music. Um, we're both not doing that, <laughs> nope, <laughs> but we're, but we're we helping not. others people. But I wear lip gloss a lot. Yes. Um, but I think a lot of what we'll talk about over the course of this series is that it's okay that you can dream one thing and, you know, the next day you could dream something else. And actually certain jobs might help you live your dream and things that you didn't necessarily realize were your dream. Um, so my dream though was at that time music. Um, I interned in music companies all through college. And unfortunately, when I graduated in 2003, I had two problems. One, it was right after 9-11, um, one full calendar year after 9-11. There was very few jobs to be had. And secondly, it was the advent of digital music. So a lot of the music companies were laying people off in traditional roles, in PR roles, in marketing roles, because they were shifting. Um, at that time, it was Napster and other digital download you know, um, services. And I was kind of out of luck that way. So I decided to just send my resume to every single PR agency out there. Um, and at that time, it was printing my resume and putting it in a manila envelope and putting it in the mail. 
which when I tell that to, and that wasn't that long ago, and I told tell that to people that are new grads that they can just apply online and that all of their the contacts that they want to you know follow up with and network with are at their fingertips via LinkedIn and other you know networking services. It's frustrating to me as somebody that's a dinosaur, but I do I think because I went through that, I'm able to really you know give that knowledge to some of these people now. So anyway, I started in in at a PR agency as an intern, post-grad intern, 2003, Michigan grad. It was, you know, a very hard thing for me to swallow. I lived on my sister's couch um, in her living room, literally. She had a bed. I did have a bed, but it was in the living room and no wall. So yes. I just basically put my bed in, like, the back of her apartment. <laughs> like, no wall, no no yep. nothing. Um, so her living room was my bed and a, and a couch next to it. Um and I started interning at an agency called Marina Mar Communications, um, MMC, which started my career and actually is a lot of why I am who I am is, is my experience there um, in beauty PR, which is so hilarious because that is what Marissa wanted to do. And here I am doing it. Um, so Shocker. I got an internship in <laughs> Shocker. Here we are. Um, she wants it. I get it. Um, and so I, I. Um, I started in beauty PR as an intern on the cover girl account. So I like felt like I at least was like close enough to entertainment and music and, 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 and talent. Um, at the end of my internship, which I had the best experience, there was no job at Marina Mar to have that was full time besides on the healthcare account. So healthcare accounts. And I was like, I mean, who am I to be picky? You know, who, what do I care? I'm not working. Right. So, <laughs> um, I decided to, take this interview and it and it turned out that I met with a woman who I loved. I'm like, you do PR for like drugs and stuff? I'm like, you're like cool and normal and pretty and wear makeup. And I was like, wait a second, maybe this, you know, and so my point was if I didn't go meet her, I would never have known. So I started meeting with her and I'm like, oh my God, her name is Amy Leonido. She was one of my first mentors, still a dear friend. And uh, maybe she'll listen to this one day. Hi, Aim. And um, she convinced me. So I started working in, in healthcare PR, Fast forward uh, about four years, I was there doing PR, and uh, at that time, I was feeling this, which a lot of people feel, and I deal with people all the time. We do a lot of new grad, like I said, and we also do a lot of this 26, 27, should I go back to school and become a teacher? Should I move away? Should I go to an ashram? Should I get married? (laughs) What do I do at this stage of life, this mid-20s, you know, uh, as we call it, you know, crisis level? And I had the same thing. And I was like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if this is what I want. That's what I went to school for. I, at that time, I was working on, on consumer health, most of my work on, on secret deodorant. So it was like kind of beauty, kind of healthcare. I loved it. I was It was cerebral. It was rewarding. Um, and then I was like, I don't know if, I, if this is my calling, though. Like, is this what I want to be doing? So I went into HR, Mary Beth, um, in HR at... Um, who's still a mentor to me, in in um, HR at MMC. And I said, you know, I don't know if I want to be doing this anymore. And she gave me a challenge that I tell my candidates all the time now. Go home, take it, take a breath, and think about the three things that you love about what you do. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to think about it. And, you know, usually I'll do this in an interview process with somebody, and I'll be like, tell me the three things you love about you do, like what you do, like, and take a minute, think about it. And so I came back to her the next morning and I said, I love, and my job, by the way, to be fair, at that time was 
pitching the product, sending out samples, schmoozing the editors, trying to get secret, you know, into an article about deodorant. And I would get, all they would do is say, no, 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 we're not doing an article about sweating this month. And I would say to the editor, I don't know about you, it doesn't need to be a sweat article or about the gym or about the summer. I sweat all year long. I wear deodorant every day. And so it was very challenging. And at that time it was editors. Now it's bloggers and influencers. PR has changed a ton. And I was like, my, my, my end result goal was to get secret deodorant in an article in like Allure. That was my like end goal. And I was like, I don't, what is that? That's my end goal? That's it? That's my game? And so I came back to her and I said, what I love the most about what I do here is the newsletter. I like doing the internal newsletter. I liked the internship program and mentoring the new people that were coming in. And I like doing the bulletin boards. And she looked at me and she said, I'll never forget it. I was 25, 26 years old. So you realize none of those things are your job. <laughs> and I was like, um, correct. That's, and that's, that, sounds, that sounds fair. Very fair. And very Jamie. Because I'm always doing like a million things. Ever since high school, I was like always doing a thousand things. So I, was, I liked my extracurricular stuff more than I liked my job. And what she looked at me and said, which I'll never forget, Mary Beth Seibel, love you, love you, love you. She looked at me and she said, you want to be doing HR. That's what you want to do. And I was like, Huh? <laughs> and I was like, that's what my dad does. Like, I, you know, I kind of understand it, like HR recruiting. She's like, your end, your, an HR job is essentially PR, but your end goal is somebody's livelihood and job and life instead of secret deodorant getting into a magazine. And I was like, I'm in. Tell me all about it. So she gave me a job description. We, we went through a big pitch process at my agency, and I was able, which because of my tenacity and my ability to articulate what was going on with me and, and good mentors and networking, I was able to pitch myself for a job in HR inside the agency that I had been working for for four years. So I was basically going from behind the scenes and I mean, in front of the, in the front lines to behind the scenes. So all of a sudden I knew what like all my coworkers were making. I was like doing their payroll. I'm like, this is bananas. You know, I was like out of control. And so I made this career change inside where I was already comfortable, which I tell that advice all the time. You never know who you already know. Go to HR, talk to them. Maybe you want to be doing something they're doing. Maybe there's a marketing team at your, at your company. You're like, I really wish I could do what they do. Go sit with them, have coffee with them. You never know what they could do to help you. So that's what happened to me. And I switched into HR. I was very, very fortunate to then have a very long career in HR and recruiting um, and, and helping all different size companies in that in that vein. I went on to work for Turner Broadcasting at that time, CNN, Turner, uh, the Turner uh, Entertainment Networks, TBS, TNT, True TV, Cartoon Network. And I supported the ad sales and marketing teams. I had 500, 600 employees across the nation. I had people in Chicago and Dallas and LA and Atlanta and New York and so I went from this small agency, which, by the way, I'm proud to say I went from working there and there was about 25 of us and I left and there was close to 80 that I helped to hire. And then I went to Turner and supported almost seven, 650 people. Um, and I was like their point of contact in New York, like had a question about something. And I loved it. I was doing the bulletin boards. I was doing the newsletter. I was doing all the things that I love to do. And, and when I really soul searched, this is one of the things I tell people all the time. I ask people, what is it? Who are you? as a human, not just like, what did you go to school for? Like, who are you in your friend group? Are you the planner? Are you the mom? Are you the one that knows how to sew? Are you the one that like knows how to, who are you? And for me, I was always that cheerleader, that connector, that uh, it was just always who I was as a person growing up. I was trainer. 
What? The pledge, I was the pledge mom of my sorority. I was a camp counselor. So the fact that I ended up in this HR kind of in charge, helping people, connecting people role was exactly what I was always meant to do. I just went to school for something else and that's okay. And so I spent a lot of years at Turner. I had a very big passion for for children and kids. And so I, I went off to work for an organization called Kidville, um, which is an after-school enrichment organization. They were opening by my house in Hoboken. They needed someone to come in as that connector, that cheerleader, that manager, helping them grow their business. So I learned it from like a small environment like that and from a big environment like Turner. And fast forward many years later, Marissa was pregnant with her second child. She'd been doing this for many years already. I was pregnant with my first. And she said to me, I was at this another kind of crossroads. Do I want to continue at Kidville? I'm pregnant. I was thinking about getting pregnant too. And she said, what, you know, I kind of need to find someone to cover my desk while I'm out on maternity leave. Like, what do you think? And I thought she was asking me to like, this has happened a few times since. I thought she was asking me to help her find someone. And I was like, let me think about who I know. Like who could come in that you could trust to, to cover your clients while you're out on leave? And she looked at me. She's like, what if you do it? You're a recruiter. You're great at this. You could come work for the, for the family business. I'm like, oh, God, no. Like, no, you know, this is not what I want. I don't want to work for dad. I don't work for you. Like, this is not for me. Like, it was and, a hard no. Yeah, I was like, nope, not for me. And it's also, what we do is not easy. We're commission-based. You know, I was just starting a, a relationship at that time, you know, with my husband. And, and, and we had just been gotten married. I wanted to have a baby. I was like, do I want to do this? And then I'm like, you know what? Let me just go and, and cover her desk while she's out on leave while I'm still working at Kidville and see how it goes. Here we are seven and a half years later. So I never left. I left Kidville and I've been helping her ever since. So that's my story. And I think one of the things that I like to share my story often is that I'm a perfect example of somebody that tripped and fell, tripped and fell, tripped and fell, got back up, dusted off. But at the end of the day, I was always kind of it was like as if I was meant to be where you I am doing now. What you were supposed to be doing, your, yes. Your your awareness just hadn't clicked in. Correct, and I think what, one of the reasons I'm so you know not to pat myself on the back, but one of the reasons I'm so good with the college kids and the college age, and the new grads is because I was I was them. I went to this great school. I have this degree. I worked all these years in PR. Like no no no, I want PR, and then I tripped and fell. I got into PR, but then I tripped into PR that was not really my jam, and then I tripped, and all of a sudden. Fast forward, you know, as my dad always said, he's like, by the time you're 30, I think he always said, you'd have, you'll have five jobs. And even if they're different jobs within those companies, you will have five jobs with that time. And you first graduate and you're like, maybe I mean, even works. by the time you're 20, yeah. I mean, 25, like five years out of school. And I was like, no. And meanwhile, again, my resume looked like I threw up on it also. But it's okay because I obviously was always meant to be here. Well, things and, are very different than they used to be, where you would have a job for 20 years. Yeah, it's, and, you know, it's it's hard to find jobs that you're tenured at, and it's okay to move around. And one of the things we help a lot of people with often is making that look okay on a resume. How do you indicate why you left, when you left? Um, how do you consolidate freelance work so that you don't look messy? You know, this is what we specialize. People ask me all the time, what do you do? And I'm like, you know what I do? Yes, my job and how I get paid is when I'm working on an open job and I find a perfect match and I seal that deal and the person stays at that job. That's how I get paid. But at the end of the day, what I love and why I do what I do is because I love, as Merce and I say all the time, we love to turn people's lights on. Mm. So I love to say to somebody, okay, so you just graduated. You sent your resume to 40 places. This, I literally have had this conversation no less than 20 times in the last six months. Great resumes, great colleges, great degrees. Okay, I've sent my resume to 40 places. I don't know what else to do. I, I just, no one's getting back to me. I don't know what to do. And I literally look at them and I say, what have you done to follow up? 
and I get a blank stare. And I think one of the problems that we're facing in this age of technology is a, a lapse or like a lack of knowledge, whether it's at the career center level or it's at the, I don't know what the problem is, but a lot of folks don't know how to get after it. And I think whether that's our generation knows or it's just years and years of doing this for a living that I've created, cultivated this knowledge of how to do it. How do you get that job? How do you get that interview? How do you find that person? How do you get that inter- like coffee date? So I want to just take a moment here and interject because I'm sitting here listening, right? And, you know, we all, and I, and I do want to introduce Howie and his, and, and his position and, and what he does and why we're all here. Um, but I want to say what's interesting about staffing in general and, like, the, the content behind who we are today and what we were going to talk about is when people come in to our office, a lot of people don't know that they can use a staffing firm. Right. They don't even the know what that issue. is. Okay. Um, and what I think about career searching, especially in an East Coast, New York City culture, and I'm not saying that everyone around the country doesn't feel this way, but in a New York City culture, we are very, very defined by what we do. And it's interesting because we just came back from this beautiful trip where we were away, and I swear it was the first time in my life that most of my conversation had absolutely nothing to do with my job. And... Interestingly enough, I think on the East Coast and in New York, a lot of how we define ourselves is what we do for a living. It's so like the first question you ask you, somebody, you, what's your raised, name, what do you do? You know, where are you from? You know, where are you living now and what do you do? Like, which neighborhood do you belong in? And people start to put you in a box. Like, oh, I live in Tribeca. Oh, I live in Astoria. Oh, I live – and I mean, you know, whether or not there's more choice – today as to where to live, there's still a storyline that goes with those choices. And then you start talking about what you do for a living because that's how you make your imprint. That's how you introduce yourself. That's basically your business card. Um, And a lot of people don't know that there are other ways to get help in looking for what they want to do. And I wouldn't say there's plenty of people that do what Jamie and I and Howie do. There's plenty of people that do what my father does. Um, I just don't know if everybody does it with as much heart because intuitively, and that's not fair, I mean they might, but intuitively I think what's happened along the way is we have become light workers to to a degree where most of the people that my father has in his Rolodex of staff are people that legitimately are here on this earth because they want to help other people figure out what they want to do with their life and or career is money and money enriches your life and figures out how to make, it doesn't solve everything as we know because none of us won the 1.6 bill. Right. But, you know, career and your job choice enriches all the other things in your life which really are what are most important. Totally. And we talk about that often, not to interrupt, but, you know, Everyone in our office, I would say everyone that works for Choice, especially in our team, but everybody, you know, either toyed with being a teacher or toyed with being a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a life coach. We we are, a lot of us are this innate coach. We That is what we want to do. We want to help people. Yes. A lot of us volunteer outside of work. A lot of us work with nonprofits. We we want to help like that we legitimately want to help somebody. our role our role is larger yes and and we take it we take it seriously very seriously so you know when we're solicited with a resume or someone that doesn't understand or we get you know a thousand emails a day when we take time out you know i've said to myself how can i reach a larger audience yep. how can i say what i say 
one person at a time larger so that in case someone's listening today, you know what, when you feel when you feel lost or you feel unfulfilled or you feel like you're not in the right position to make something for yourself or you feel like your voice is not loud enough, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Jamie hears you. People can hear you. And if people knew collectively how to move forward on their own, I wouldn't have a job to do. And honestly, I have a continuous job. Yep. We have an open door of people coming in and dumping all of what they're unhappy about right in our desk. It's true. And and also, I think one of the reasons that we survive in a lot of ways, you know, companies need us. They don't have the time to recruit. They, they're working on 50 things at a time. They need help. They might um, not have internal HR recruiting, so they need to outsource to somebody like us. So we have that going for us, but we also have that candidate pool, that that continuous pipeline of people that need help, that want our help, that want us to. And even if it's not where we get them a job at one of our clients, which is really, yes, how it works, it's turning that light on. And, you know, we we were talking about energy breeding good energy and remembering that like a conversation like this, like right now, I feel a feeling when I'm talking. Yep. Right now where I feel so much like. What I'm saying is so relevant for so many people in any capacity, not just fashion, any capacity. We walk around like with a big question mark half the time in all stages of life. Should I take that job? Should I go on that interview? That person called like, but I'm happy where I am. Should I go? These are the types of things that. What do I do? How do I earn more money? These are my these are my realities. I don't want to disappoint anybody. Personal obligations where it's not just about the job. It's this onion of layers of stuff that, frankly. It's cumbersome. It is. And you need, sometimes you need a guide. And one of the things Marissa and I, as she just mentioned, we just got back from a yoga and dance retreat in Tulum, Mexico. Um, and we mentioned Tootsie the last time we were on this. Yeah, we did. <laughs> With uh, Tootsie Olan, who is Tootsie a, for a, president. a dear friend and colleague at this point. I help her with all sorts of stuff, and we just love her. And anyhow, so we went on this amazing trip. And everywhere in Tulum is hanging above beds and hanging on the walls are dream catchers. And one of the things that Marissa and I are very passionate about is is dreaming big. And that's something that we has roots in years of conversation between the two of us of what are we going to call our business one day? And are we going to open an enrichment facility for kids? Are we going to, um, you know, rebrand our business one day? Are we going to, what are we? Who are we? And, you know, a lot of people say to us, you know, if you know the Klein sisters, you just know the Klein sisters. Like, and so we have said over the, over the course of the many years we've been discussing doing a podcast or doing something like this is, who are we? And, you know, we looked up the definition of a dream catcher. It's something that we all bought when we were away. We now have hanging in our homes. And the definition, you know, I I was looking at it actually before we came here, is when hung up, a dream catcher attracts and catches all sorts of dreams and thoughts into its webs. It helps to protect, to to fill people with hope and healing and to really catch your dreams in its webs and in, in its you know fibers and and at the end of the day that's what we do, we are dream catchers. We help people figure out what they're going to do, why they're going to do it, and really help people um, you know navigate through that web of career. And you know Marissa went to University of Richmond, Woo. go Spiders. So the web you know analogy was very relevant to us. And you know I think. It's really all-encompassing of what we're doing for people is we're helping them not just chase that dream. We're not helping them build that dream. We're not helping them create that dream, but we're helping them catch that dream. Like, figure it out. How do you do it? And Um, we're helping them chase. We're helping them build. And we've caught it. Correct. Or we've helped them. We help them to catch it 
you know, vicariously through us. We're like a vessel for them to figure out how to turn on their own ignition and figure out their position in life. Yep. And I literally sometimes feel there are people that walk into our office and leave our office better. And even if we don't get them their job, the energy that we spend on helping them to intuitively figure out their position in life literally gets them their job. Yeah, so we always and say, like, if, if, if something I that say That part's priceless and doesn't pay the bills and something that my husband doesn't always understand. Yeah, yeah as my dad's like, where is the bill? And yeah. I'm like, I am How just, much work did you do on that? I am and just how much money did we have? inspiring others. I yes. am helping them dream. dream We're dreaming big. Dream. Um, speaking of, I actually have a great example of that that happened today. So I feel like Wait, I wanted to share that. Before you tell your that. example, okay. let me introduce Howie. Save your example because okay. I think that's a, like a pinnacle closer. Pinnacle we'll close closer. Okay. So we have Howie here who is not only a special friend but also an OG. Um, original gangster. Ori- original gangster. Um, she, he is a family friend and also a partner in crime at Choice. And he does something so phenomenal. Because here we are discussing all of our commonalities and our peers and, you know, kids that graduate from good schools or not so good schools that want to work in high profile environments. And we have all these blessings that we take for granted. Yep. Right. But yet we can help them get their jobs and they can do all their stuff and they may or may not have their degree and they may or may not have support financially or they may or may not have all the foundations of family and all the things that we need in order to survive in life, right? But for the most part, most of the people coming into my office are blessed people uh, and they just have forgotten their blessings a little bit and we all are guilty of that. And then you have what Howie and Howie's team does. And Howie and Howie's team, Sophia, um, are, are beautiful souls that are literally taking everything that we just did and what I would call diluting it. It's not diluting it. It's enhancing it because what he's trying to do is put people to work with special needs. Most importantly, people with hearing in, that are hearing impaired, which if you take a moment, a big moment, and think about that for a second, yep. it is so large and so powerful and so undervalued and so understated yep. that I look at him sometimes and I'm blown away by what his team has tried to do, I get emotional about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Because it's like I think we, about like we're 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 like talking. Oh God! Oh, you went to you Michigan, want to be a designer. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, these people are just trying. to, They can't hear. Yeah. And they need to work because they still have the same bills to pay, and they need to still function in the same society that we all do. That we take for granted, and it's not our fault, but we take for granted collectively that we have all the gifts that we already have. Yes. So Howie. Um, I'd love for you to be able to spend a few minutes talking about your career and your joining with Choice um, and, and how your experience parlayed in, into what we're doing today together. And then also, I think it's kind of fun that you're from a different generation. You listen to podcasts. You probably know a little bit more about podcasting. Is that a verb? Is that a verb, Ming? Podcasting? <laughs> um, I used a verb. Um, but you know a little bit more about podcasting than perhaps I do um, because you listen. And I, I love that. I love your point of view. And I think it's really important to know that we are representing in this room multiple generations of people that were not brought up on social media. We all come at, at it from a different way. Certainly you. And with that said, go ahead. So I, I'm not quite sure why I'm here. I, th- I took a right <laughs> instead of a left. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go through my, my history because it's way too long, but it only consisted of four jobs. So you go back to you know having five jobs before you're the you know the age of thirty. Um, I've only had four jobs. I love it. Um, 
It's actually a good example. Great That's example. why you're here. That is why you're here. But I will say that, um, you know, in, in our generation, you, ne you didn't necessarily follow your dream. You followed w what came before you. You followed your parents. Mm -hmm. um, you, I'll be, honestly, I took the easy way out, and then I followed the money. What did you want to do when you grew up? I wanted to be a rock and roll star. Okay. It still hasn't happened. Okay. Um, one of these days. How do you like the mic and the, and the headphones? It's fine. It feels good. It's, bring, it's bringing you right to yeah. it. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so to get back to, to you know, what we're doing here is, uh, long story short, a lot, of, you know, a lot of major career changes, particularly after 25 years at one company, um, working, trying to get people with disabilities or helping people with disabilities get employment. Um, and it's, it's the, we're talking now about folks who really sometimes can't, um, can't enunciate what they want, to, what they want. They don't know what they want. It's more about um, they don't know what they don't know because right. their experiences are so, so limited because of their disabilities occasionally and because of the way um, government funds their services and, and things like that. So, so, so our, our job is to give them those experiences so that they can make informed choices about what they want to do. Um, in, the, in the late 90s, the whole, the whole theory was get them a job, train, get somebody a job, train them on the job, whether that's something that they want to do or not. And the, the historical data shows that that wasn't very successful. So the, over the last decade or so, um, there's more of an emphasis on finding out about the person, basically what you do. Right. Um, except that, you know, you might have an easier job of it because you can have a conversation with somebody, you see a resume, you see um, other kinds of experiences so that you can make some informed choices with the person. It's a little harder for us. Um, but that being said, so about three years ago, four years ago, um, there was another change in, in, in the career path. Um, and one of the things that we did do was provide interpreters for folks who were deaf or hard of hearing. Daily life, employment, medical, health care, um, um, uh, mental health, you name it, whatever it was, legal services, um, just not easily accessible to somebody who's deaf or hard of hearing unless they have somebody who can interpret for them. Um, so I went to Jamie and Marissa's dad. Steve. Uh, Right. We haven't said Steve, his name yet. Steve Klein, we Steve love you. Steve Klein, who um, was open to the idea of starting a language division, and three years later, we're providing um, sign language interpreters, foreign language interpreters, a written translation um, to folks all over, all over, um, all over the country, actually. Uh, and it helps them communicate, helps them learn. We do a lot of onboarding sessions for folks who have been hired by companies. We do a lot of um, annual trainings that, that employees go through. Um, so that, so that's, that's what we're doing now. Um, and it helps the, the community that, um, basically the deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, one of the reasons we're here today is um, this whole podcast idea leaves out a whole segment of the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that, especially being of a certain age, I understand that that's where we get information now. That's how information is digested, through a 20-minute, 30-minute, or an hour podcast. Um, I listen to some myself. 
because it's easily digestible. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't have an attention span, it helps. <laughs> um, so we're exploring things like making things like this, like this, this 40 minutes, more accessible to more people. And not just folks with uh, who are deaf or hard of hearing, but folks who perhaps don't have English as their as their uh, first language, folks who you know have a, a foreign language as their first language. So that's that's kind of what we're exploring now. Um, and uh, again, it helps folks become part of the community, helps them make informed choices, uh, helps them to be part of a shared universe. Exactly. There it is. Why should they? Exactly. Why should they be excluded? Exactly. Exactly. So true. Invites everybody to the table. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Okay. So with that beautiful sentiment, which is extremely powerful, um, I wanted to turn back to Jamie um, because, listen, we do something. We do this all day long, every day. um, And the best way to explain how we do what we do is to be able to maybe share an example. Yeah. Um, And... God knows we have so many, and some of them are so incredibly entertaining, and I will have to keep you on bated breath, I know, for lots of other ones. But today, the star of the show is a young lady um, who just graduated and uh, is a, a connection of ours through our personal life, which, interestingly enough, our personal life tends to transcend into our professional life always because it's just the nature of who Jamie and I are. And, Jamie, I think it would be great if you could give her a little bit of history and then explain how you coached her, and then we can talk about how, you know, for what it's worth, this is something that a big lead into that is I've been giving advice now, like I said, for over a decade. And when I'm done with each and every person that I speak to, almost never forget to say this, that every single thing, every tool I just gave you, every bit of advice I just gave you, at the grand scheme of things, if you're meant to get this next job, you will get it. You'll get it. And I literally have made a living off of other people's destiny. Because the truth is, and we do have free will, there's a whole conversation about free will, which we can have on a rainy day. But at the end of the day... I'm just a chapter in someone's journey that's already written, and they're on their way to figuring it out. And perhaps they just needed to pass through my office in our order web. to our web. It's our dream catcher that's web. That's true. You have to pass through my web. Excuse me. <laughs> pass through my web. Let's still use digesting, the right language. Still digesting um, our jargon. But you pass through the web in order to figure out where you're going next to choose your own adventure, so to speak. And I, I think that you know no matter what i do or what i guide or how i inspire people or how i turn on their ignition it has nothing to do with you know their actual moments that follow suit it's their mindset it's what they set their intention with it's how they go out of my office it's how they approach themselves on the interview it's how they take control and they get into their own driver's seat mm-hmm. and then they go and get the job that they're meant to get so um Jamie helped my friend Sari our friend Sari's daughter get into the front seat Yep. Do you want to tell that story? Sure. Um, and I, I'm finding very so many different analogies to, and as you're talking about the dream catcher and all the, the things that we're Syn- saying. Synchronicity. Synchronicity. And I do feel like one of the things we learned on our retreat this week was meditation, which is something I'd never really done a lot of before, but it's about setting intention. And I think we really help people set a professional intention and figure out how to get after it and how to do that and how to drive their own car. 
And what happened in this particular case is, is many people walk around this planet and don't necessarily talk about what they do on a regular basis besides the asking the question. Marissa and I are very, very cognizant about the fact that we are helpers and we help people. And I do find that whether or not it's my personality or, or what, but I, I tend to, to, to throw in that I'm a coach, a career coach, um, often. It, most people know that's what we do. And so because of that, we get a lot of questions. You know, no different than you ask your lawyer friend legal advice or you just ask like off the cuff things to anybody that you know that does something specific and in accounting hasn't, you know, you ask their, them questions about your finances. But in this particular case, often we get, can you look at my, you know, daughter's resume? Do you mind my neighbor's daughter is graduating or this person? So we get a ton and of this that. This person was laid off after 20 years. Can, can you, you help them? Can you help them? So, you know, and, and I'm happy to do that. And that's actually one of my favorite parts of my job. So a dear friend of ours, Sari, who runs um, the preschool that my kids go to, um, her daughter just graduated, Stephanie. And being that they know what we do for a living, Sari said to me, can you help Stephanie? Can you look at her resume? So-and-so. So I was like, of course. And I know Stephanie personally because she also works there during the year when she's off and also during the summer. So right now, as I'm here, she's with my two-and-a-half-year-old son, Elliot, at school. So Stephanie, hi. So um, <laughs> hope <laughs> hope we didn't give you too much trouble today. So um, that being said, Stephanie wanted to work in sports. She you know, her whole resume was sports heavy, sports entertainment, sports media, something along those lines. Um, and, you know, we had a, a long conversation one day many months ago at this point, which I'm sure feels like three years for her, you know, in May or whenever she was graduating, which now it's really not that long ago, but it's exhaustingly long when you're looking for a job and you're a new grad. And we had a conversation and we talked about what she could be doing and who she is as a human, as I said earlier. What do you want to be doing? Like, who are you as a person? Are you, the, you know, in your group of friends, all of that. So I did that whole exercise with her. Um, and I told her, which I tell often to people, I shouldn't necessarily say this on, on the air. Um, you know, uh -oh. even if we're not connected to people professionally, I, we have a huge, you know, kind of network of, of people that we know. And whether that's through my old jobs, my husband's job, my brother-in-law's job, um, you we, know, we have a web. We have a nice web. Yes. There it is. Um, of people. And so I said to her, I'm like, I think I can help you. Even if it's not through choice, I think I can help you. And I'm happy to do that. So I essentially gave her some coaching tools and I was like, you know what? You should do this. You should do that. You should apply there. And so, and she was a perfect example of somebody that said to me, I applied to all these places and I, and I have her in her back and I don't know what to do. I'm like, okay, let's start from the beginning. I'm like, have you gone on LinkedIn? Have you looked up the people that you applied to? Have you and sent the pressure's them a note? on? The pressure's yeah. on because it's hard. It's hard to get a job after Halloween historically. Yep. I just yep. wrote a blog post about that. Yep, it's and hard I, to get a hot job after Halloween because the new year, everybody just starts to coast off a holiday, and, and and it's it's difficult. Yeah, and she this was even a few months ago, and she was like, "What am I?" What should I do? And so I gave her all of these tools and tips, um, some of which we'll obviously get into hopefully on this podcast in future sessions with and interviewing other people. Um, but some of my advice usually is, you know, who who have you gone out to? Who have you, uh, you know, connected to? And so she's like, I haven't really. So I gave her a lot of that advice. I was like, go on LinkedIn. Find the people that were hiring for that role. Write them a note. Stand out. Don't just get your resume into a black hole and, and hope for the best. Like, get in that driver's seat, turn on the ignition, and get the job. Don't just sit and wait for the person to come to you. And so I gave her a lot of this advice. She went after it. She started sending emails. She started following up. 
And I would check in on her. How's it going? As I saw her throughout the summer, anything going on? You know, and I didn't have anything for her that was specifically exactly what she was looking for. So I was just helping her as a coach. And I, I shouldn't say just because I think a lot of what we went through together is is where why she's at where she's at now. Um, so through the process, she was able to get an interview at two different places, um, a couple places, actually, one of which did not work out. And that was her what she considered her dream job. And it was a bummer. And I helped her through that. And then fast forward to last month, she got final round interviews at a couple of places. And I helped. She was freaking out. This one feels like it's going to turn into a job offer. Should I go on this interview anyway? Like this one. And I said to her, listen, the best thing you can do is put that good energy out there and it will return itself to you. So until you have a job offer in your hands, you go. And one of the quotes that we always say, and I have this on the back of one of my business cards. We have five business cards with different quotes that we always say. One of is, you You never never know know unless unless you go. So you just got to go. My example is perfect. I went into that office for for pharmaceutical PR. Had I not gone in and met Amy, who was this glorious human that I would never have known was doing pharmaceutical PR until I met her, I would never have known that I might like it. So I said to her, I'm like, just go. You never know. And we live far from the city. We all live down here by the shore. It's a two-hour bus. Just do it. Get on the bus. Get your coffee. Set your intention. And go in there and kill it because you will get that job if you have that good energy. So P.S. to this, she got into third, fourth rounds with a very high-profile organization in HR. Thank you, Stephanie, my suggestion. I was like, I think you could really be good at HR. She was like, I never thought about it before because I said to her, I think you'd be really good at a nurturing, learning and development, HR, generalist kind of role. So she went in. She got final round interview. She wasn't sure if she was going to get it, and she found out that she had an interview to work in sports at Turner. Well, not in sports, but at Turner, which is through me. She had an interview to be an EA. And I was like, you know what? An executive administrative assistant. And I was like, you know what? Just go. You never know. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go. And so yesterday, she was meant to be at the Time Warner Center. For those of us that know what happened yesterday at the Time Warner Center, nothing happened at the Time Warner Center yesterday that was (laughs) supposed to happen because there was evacuation. In fact, Cuomo broadcast from the street. And her interview got canceled while she was on the bus to the city, finally to go on this Turner interview that she thought was going to be the dream job. And she's on the way in, and she gets this cancellation email. And so she gets to the city. She gets a coffee. She turns around. She goes home. Four o'clock, she gets the offer from the other place. And I said to her, you know what? You went, and you saw it through, and you put the energy in the universe that you were going to go anyway, even if you thought the other one was going to be your job, and she got that job. And now, that is a very extreme example of the energies and the universe. And But at the end of the day, if you believe, you know, a little bit, that that kind of energy and that kind of good intention, trusting the process, trusting the process you will figure it out. It will happen. And with coaches like Marissa and me or Howie or any of the people in our office and, and just good energy around you, it will happen. And so she got that job offer and she's likely going to take it. And I said to her, I'm like, listen, if Turner wants to reschedule, you probably should go. But that, that's a whole other conversation. I'm like, and then you can hold the offer at the other one. And we have all sorts of um, advice about how to do that, about, it. you know, that always, because all of a sudden it rains, it pours. It's like we always say, you get into a new relationship with a new person and your ex calls. It just is the way that the world works. And so she's probably going to get rescheduled to go to Turner. Is calling you? No. Okay. No, Dave, that was many years ago. (laughs) At the beginning, maybe. Um, But, like, that's the way the world works. 
And so it's possible that Turner might call and have her rescheduled to come back in. And you know what? She probably should still go because you never know. Another uh, another quote that we say, if any, if nothing else, it's another hand to shake and another card to take. So you're walking in, you're getting a conversation, you listen and you leave and they have no idea you have an offer that you signed. You have, they have no, you go in, you put on your best self, you impress them anyway and you walk out. And if anything, you get two offers that you have to choose between because at the end of the day, it's just a meeting. That's all that it is. You're going in, you're having conversation, you're leaving. It's like dating. You're just going on a date. That's it. So that date does not need to know that you're about to get in bed with someone else. They don't need to know that. They need to know that you are in it to win it for their interview for that day. And then you leave and you have a decision to make. And he's making R-rated analogies. It's the truth, though. Not necessarily in bed bed. I I, I actually meant that, you know. um, The other way. The other way, but. As I'm talking about dating, maybe it was an appropriate connection. <laughs> dating in bed. Um, but that's the truth. And so if Stephanie calls me tomorrow and was like, Turner wants to still see me, but I already told the other one that they that I'm going to take it. I'm like, you know what? You should go. You should just go. They want to see you. I put my neck out for you. Just go. Meet them. See. And if anything, you have a hard decision to make. And if nothing else, you have a new person in your Rolodex. And that's maybe obviously you'll want to talk to down the line. Correct. And yeah. or might leave there in six days. And get a new job, and that's at a sports company. So, so yesterday, are we done? Are, yes, that, that's done? it. That's my great example, of Stephanie. Congratulations, Stephanie. Stephanie. Yesterday, Cheers. from a client side. So I've been in sales for this whole time. I had a client call yesterday with a woman who had ne- one of my one of my really well established relationships. Um, one of their sister divisions needed my help in an area, and I'd never really talked to them in that area. And actually, is a, a hybrid of media. It's working for a company called PVH, which most of the world knows is Calvin Klein Underwear and IZOT. Um, but PVH is a very, very, very strong relationship of mine. And um, actually, my partner in crime there actually bought my New York City apartment years ago. So we're all connected in different ways. But I don't work with some of the other divisions because it's such a large company. And this one conversation happened and I had to get on the call and it was you know scheduled and yada, yada, yada. And we had this lovely call. And when I went to go email her a follow-up, her email triggered something in my inbox that I've spoken to her before. But the last time I spoke to her was in 2006. And I wrote to her and I go... I actually meant that, you know... Um, yep, that there it is. Whoops, and I said, sorry. I said, <laughs> I said to her, I wrote her a note. I'm like, is it possible that in a past life you worked at Diesel? Because if so, it was your first job. I met you. I remember the jacket you were wearing. We had a great conversation. We worked really closely together. You didn't have the pull because you were a little bit young, but you knew what you needed to be doing, and they wouldn't listen to you. You got frustrated, and I lost you along the way because in 2006, when I first started selling, we didn't have the profiles to connect and or the LinkedIn. You had to, you had to keep up with people. So it's like you know, as good as I was at keeping up with everybody in my web, it was hard, and somebody would slip through the cracks. Like, I, you know, I lost her along the way. I didn't, I didn't follow up with her and figure out the seven companies that she's left since Diesel to now. And so sure enough, she goes, oh, my God, this warmed my heart. 100% was me. And look where I've come. And it was a really, really powerful moment where, like, you know, it kind of validates that I've been doing the same thing. And 90% of the time, <laughs> people don't respond to me. On the candidate side, people respond to me. On the client side, unless they need me, they don't really respond to me. I don't take it personal because when they need me, they need me. But I solicit and 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 I solicit. <laughs> and I never give up because eventually they need my help. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens, and you just have to keep doing it, and 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 not take, 
and not take any of their negativity or this dismissiveness personally, which is a very challenging part about business development and what we do and challenging in business development as a whole. But here we are and she and I have this huge moment and she's like, I remember you. And like, by the way, that's kind of a big deal because mm-hmm. it's 12 years ago and it made me a little bit proud. So it just goes to show you that when you make a good impression impression. or you take that business card, you may recollect or need to go to that Rolodex down the line. So any opportunity to ever meet somebody in a professional experience should be something that I would like to end on this, I think. My favorite, favorite, favorite word professionally is say yes. Because if you don't say yes, you're already, you're hindering yourself. So, you know, why cock block yourself? There's, there's, there's the, an R-rated. There's the R-rated. But, I mean, why, why stand in your own way? So many people say to me on a regular basis, like, well, I don't want to give anyone a, the wrong impression. I don't want to oh, waste anyone's waste time. time. No, actually that's saying you would prefer to go to SoulCycle this morning than go on this interview. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. You need to set your intention, go on every single thing. Anybody that wants to talk to you should be talked to. I don't care if it's for an EA position or a director of an operations position. Everything, anybody that wants to meet you. We hosted, we sent five candidates yesterday, spur of the moment, to a collective meeting at a luxury office in Midtown where they were meeting multiple HR people at once um, for jobs that were going to be in Short Hills, Woodbury Commons, and Manhasset. Manhasset. These poor people, they have no idea if they were going to get this job. And each one of them, out of the people that went, said to me, you know what, if I get to meet all those HR people at once, regardless of what happens tomorrow, I should be going. And I was like, thank you. That's exactly what I mean. If you get an opportunity to do something to better yourself, whether it means that you're going to get paid for it or it's free, nothing in your professional life is is a a waste waste of time. time. And the minute you know that, the minute you start driving in your own driver's seat. Totally. And I think a really good tidbit to end on is that, and I'll, I'll put this out there as a quiz. Ready? Everybody. After these folks went there yesterday and they left and they met all those HR people and they weren't sure if they were going to get that job, what's the first thing they should do when they get home? I know. Go ahead, Maris. Follow up. Say thank you. Yep. And they send a thank you note. And then also, what else can they do? Extra credit. Connect with them on LinkedIn. There it is. Connect with them on LinkedIn. So the interesting irony of having Howie here, thank you for being here, Howie. It makes me feel comfortable to have you here. Thanks for having me. Um, But the the interesting thing (laughs) is the generation that's coming up, the generation that's coming into our world that we will all be working for someday soon, communicates via podcasts, via social media, via all these different platforms that none of us were exposed to. And they are so saturated with information that they forget actually how to navigate in the world. Correct. So they walk out of a meeting and they forget and or they don't feel like it's okay. They feel like it's actually the sentiment I think they usually feel is that it's not kosher. Like, I I don't know. I I can't connect to them on LinkedIn. I don't know that. They are so unfamiliar with actual exchange that they, they sometimes forget that they can say thank you for this time and connect with the person. Yep. So anyway. Oh, hey, Meg. I see Megan talking to us. I love it. Um, that's what I love about Facebook Live. You get all the comments. AMC. Um, so anyway, I think that's a great place to end. I think we, we, we gave a lot of our tidbits. We work in our quotes without even intentionally working in our quotes. I think it just goes to show you that we say the same thing all the time. You never know if you go. Network most when you do it the least. Press play, pause, Press play. Right. Totally. 
Um, but anyway, this was wonderful. Thank you guys so much for, for doing this to Ming and Shared Universe for having us here today. Um, we're hoping this becomes a thing. So let's oh, do that. No, let's, it's going to become a thing. It's happening. We're Actually, putting the energy in the universe. It's becoming a thing. So it's happening. you need to listen because I need listeners. Correct. Otherwise, I'm talking to myself. And so what I would love to just preview and, 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 and um, you know, put out there is that we would love to start interviewing folks that have similar storylines. Maybe there's people out there that, you know, um, that we know personally that would be a great guest. So that's probably what we'll likely do on this, you know, um, it won't always just be Marissa and me or Howie sitting here chatting about our history. Obviously, we had to do that a bit today. But stay tuned because we're hoping to um, be able to interview some really awesome people about their career and why they do what they do and how they uh, catch their dreams. So thanks for listening. And um, you'll be hearing more from us.